Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bolton eBikes podcast. I'm pretty excited because today I have a guest, and I love having guests on the show, but even more so when it's somebody I've met in person, even more so when it's somebody I've known for, you know, more than a year or two, and even better for you guys that are listening is somebody that is actually on the ground in China in charge of getting your electric bikes made. So today, welcome our special guest. I have Daniel, who is the president of Go4E Mobility. And if you don't recognize that name, that's okay. We'll bring up a couple of other names and that you are going to recognize really quickly here if you're at all familiar with what videos and things I've been doing over the last couple of years. So once again, this is Daniel from Go4E Mobility. So welcome, Daniel. Thank you for taking time out of your, your day. It's a afternoon for me, morning for you, and uh, you're all the way on the other side of the world. Hi, Kyle. It's, it's early morning here. It's eight thirty a.m. here. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to, to to be a guest in your podcast, and um, I'm happy to be here to talk to you and talk to the to the customers who's listening to this podcast, and you know, um, do what we can do for them. Well, really quickly, first, I think we should explain who you are and what you're doing. So tell people just briefly about Go4E Mobility. What is that company and what do you do in that? Oh, yeah. Go4E Mobility is a company that mainly um, runs the electric vehicle business. Go4E is means Go for Electric, Go for Electric Mobility. And this company holds two brands. One of them is Quality Sports USA, and this is a brand which mainly focuses on folding electric bicycles. They are portable, they are affordable folding electric bicycles. And the other brand is Iconic. And Iconic is a brand mainly focused on the all-terrain electric bicycles, the big guys. And Quality Sports mainly focuses on the small guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we've got the little tiny folding bikes. If you guys have watched any of the videos where I've squeezed little bikes into airplanes or anything like that, that's pretty much always the quality sports bikes. And then we have the, the newer bikes, the Biconet, which are fat tires, just massive wheels and everything, and dual batteries. Like if you want the biggest, toughest bike, it's the Biconet. And if you want the smallest, lightest folding bike, <laughs> you got the quality sports. It's like two ends of the, the e-bike spectrum there. Yeah. <laughs> And it was the Quali Sports bikes that first caught my attention. It's funny because now where things are at, I feel like people are always constantly reaching out to me being like, oh, we have these bikes for sale. Oh, we have these bikes we want you to buy. And But a few years back, I was the one doing that outreach. So I don't remember where I first saw one of the Quali Sports bikes, but they weren't in the U.S. yet. And... I saw them online somewhere, and so I messaged, might have been you, I don't know, but somebody at your company, and was like, hey, these little folding bikes are really cool. I think they would be great to fit in airplanes, and I ended up just buying a few of them, and then we kind of, things just kind of went from there. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, back to, uh, that was back to three years ago, and I got your message, and you said, you want the 60-inch Nemo 
and you want them be only your uh, private plan, I think, wow, that is a good idea. And then that's how we, we start um, knowing each other and uh, um, how we start our cooperation together. That was three years ago. Yeah, crazy to think it's been that long ago. And it wasn't too long after that that Daniel said that they were coming to the Sea Otter Classic, which for those of you that don't know, that's a huge mountain bike event that's over in Monterey, California, right along the coast. And for the longest time, it's been all about the mountain bike racing. And there's a bunch of different classes that race during that event. And there's also kind of a little trade show area. And it used to be all just pedal bikes, but they've started kind of getting into e-bike stuff. So Daniel said he was going to be there and Monterey is not that far from Grass Valley. So I flew over there and that's where I was finally able to, to meet Daniel and a couple of the other guys from Quali Sports in person. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was the first time we, we see each other in person. And when I asked, how long did you spend all the long? I'll say, I flew here. It's like, wow, cool, really cool. <laughs> did you bring this money? No? <laughs> it was a four hour, four and a half hour drive or like an hour and 15 minute, hour and 20 minute flight. So it made sense. <laughs> Great, cool. <laughs> yeah, and that was awesome because they had one of the, the little Nemo folding bikes there. So I took that one with me home. I rode it through the, the parking lot and everything and uh, took it back to the airport and put it in and took it home with me. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. You know, it's, it's very light. And that show, it's like a milestone. You know, I just start entering the U.S. market from that show. We brought three models to that show. Remember that? Uh, the Nemo, the Volador, and the Beluga to that show. That's, That's right. kind of the start of the U.S. market. You know, after that, we, we established the Quality Sports USA company, which is Quality Sports INC. And then we start bringing containers. We start, we set up the office there. We set, we set up a warehouse there. And we set up after-sale service there. And from that on, from then on, we start selling or start service and if you guys look at the artwork for this particular episode, that picture, that's me and Daniel at the show in Monterey. So thank you, Daniel, for sending that picture. I asked him for a shot of him, but instead he sends one of both of us. So <laughs> I thought, you know what, that's, that's good. I like that. That's, that's actually perfect for talking about how we met and how we started working together and trying to get more e-bikes sold in the U.S. And that's how it started. And then one day he sends me, not too long ago, really, Daniel sends me a, a text message with a photo of a new bike and it's not folding and it doesn't have little wheels and it doesn't have a, a light little battery. It is, it's massive. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> so, so why did you go from folding bikes that are small and lightweight to the Biconet brand? And tell people too, I think, I don't think most people know this. I certainly haven't told them. Where did the Biconet name come from? Oh, yeah. Okay. Before 2018, I actually, the, the course Sports was established 2016. And before that, I had two years of experience in the electric bicycle. Actually, it's like electric 
vehicle industry. I was in the in the hoverboard industry, and oh, we, okay. we, we tried to develop a, a new scooter. It's kind of like, we can call it the scooter. It's like called Jayco. So the front wheel is like sixteen. It's a very big one, and the rear wheel is like um, small one, like eight, eight inch. And uh, the steering wheel is the real one. That's my second experience with the e vehicles. And then the police force was established, and in twenty uh, before that, before twenty eighteen. We were mainly focused on, on the career market and the Europe market. And then after that, 2018, we entered the U.S. market. And till this year, we focused on the electric bicycles. And after that, I was thinking, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, um, you know, once there, there was one time, Cal asked me, um, um, you can tell customers who you are, where you're from. I said, yeah, my name is Daniel, and I'm from China. What do you do? I, what do I do? I, I work as, as a bridge. I, I'm a bridge between China and, and the U.S. because I fly over, fly to the U.S. and fly back to, to China and fly back to the U.S. every year. And it's like a bridge, you know, the bridge connects the industry of electric bicycles in China and the industry of electric bicycles mm-hmm. in the United States. And then I, after we established the quality sports company in the United States, I started uh, visiting many shop owners and we talked to many end customers directly. And then I can feel that in the past two years, the people in the United States, the customers in the United States, they are the electric bicycle customers, they are um, like growing and growing. People are showing more and more interest in the electric bicycles. And besides, we focus on, I need to focus on core sports bikes first, you know, because um, core sports needs to focus on the floating electric bikes. But, and then the shop owners, you know, our dealers, our offline dealers, they are like, hey, Daniel, can, can you bring the big bikes? Because customers, they are here, they want, they prefer big bikes and they want good quality big bikes. And then I do some research online and see, find the many other brands, you know, to make big bikes. And I see, wow, the price is like Skywalker. <laughs> Why? They are, they are selling these bikes. It's so expensive, but then, you know, it's like, like that. I said, okay, if I do this, I made a calculation, if I do this, what is the best price I can do for the customers in the United States? And then I start calculating. And I found that, yeah, we can do the price much better for the customers there. And at the same time, I was thinking, after checking the, some old bikes or big bad high bad bikes on the market, I found that we need some better ideas. And I talked to my friends, you know, after being in this industry for three years, I have many friends, they are in the electric bike industries in, in China, on, uh, in this side, on this side. So I talked to them and I was trying to seek for an idea for a big bike that satisfies me. And then one day, that, that one day I talked to Mr. Tom, who is also my friend. He said, yeah, I have a big bike. You, you want to take a look at this? I said, okay, great. I want to take a look at that. And then I said, wow, this bike, it is a new battery and with different tires and the components really uh, impressed me. You know, when the first time I saw this bike, I said, wow, that is the bike. <laughs> that was the feeling when I, when I first time I, I saw this bike. And that was the bike. And then I started talking with a tongue. He wants to start this bike selling. I also want to bring this bike to the United States for customers. And then I start talking with them and start how to finalize this bike. We put lights, we put, we made several modifications on this bike to make this bike better and better. And then after that, 
uh, after that, I, I talked to you. You remember that? I had yeah. how I got this bike. Do you have any your professional opinions on this bike? And we said, okay, do this, do that, do this, and we apply all these suggestions and on this bike. And at least 80% or 85% meet our requirements that we want. And then we start digging into this bike and to make this bike better and better. After that, suddenly we realized, I just realized, okay, what are we going to call this bike? <laughs> yeah, it's this huge fat bike. It's got tons of power. What do you call this beastly thing? Actually, at that time, we didn't want to make this uh, based on its uh, performance. It's like when I first owned the prototype bike, I felt so confident. The long handlebar, the flat tire, the air suspension, and the weight of this bike. When you sit on this bike, you feel so confident. It feels like you can conquer any terrain, you know. I feel so confident. I was thinking, okay, what am I going to call this bike? And that's another friend called Carlos Morales. He's the owner of, of a bike shop in Asusa. He's the bike shop. I was talking to him at that time. He said, hey, Carlos, I, I, I want to start another friend. I tell him, hey, I want this bike to be all terrain. The customers can ride this bike to anywhere. They can go outdoor exploring with this bike. They can go for home hunting on this bike. They can go fishing on this bike. And also they can, for, for their daily use, he said, yeah, that's Name. And then the car said, back on it. I said, yeah, that is a green name, back on it. <laughs> and then I combined this short sentence together and we named it back on it. Actually, the back on it is based on its slogan. The slogan of back on it is like, back on it to anywhere. Ah, that's, that's what I was waiting for. That's the, the line that brings it all together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. So the slogan is, is the first thing that, that my mind back on it to anywhere and put briefly the back on it is back on it. Back on it, back on it to anywhere. And this is like explains what the back on it brand is going to do in the future. This brand is more focused on the flat tire bikes, you know, all carrying bikes. The first product the, the product will be the dual battery and D1000 or MD750, actually Mm-hmm. In the future, we'll develop more bikes at a cost-effective price. We cut the wholesale man like the old traditional ways. We just face our customers from the factory side oh, great. to shop owners, yeah, to end customers. We cut the wholesale man or you know, it's like that. So in the future, we're going to publish more and more bikes. Uh, we're developing. I don't. Know, I don't think I can. I can tell this <laughs> on this podcast now. Uh-oh. Sometimes I do give little sneak peeks, but share whatever you want the people to know. <laughs> Keep in mind, they can't see it. So, you know, you could say something and they still don't know what you're talking about it, I guess. But share as much as you want. <laughs> okay, we are developing our next generation now. And the MD series, MD1000, MD750, and HD750, actually, they are finalized on the production side. And in the future, we are going to upgrade this bike based on the customer's feedbacks. For, for on the production side, we are, okay, we're good here. So we are put, put them into mass production and in the future, the improvements from, from the customer side. So we welcome the customers to send us emails or messages to let us know their thoughts on this bike so we can make this bike better and better uh, in the future. At the same time, we are doing some developments on several models for the future because we have to keep publishing new models Mm-hmm. based on the market and based on 
tons of feedbacks from our, our customers. That's like Quartersports. We are we're loading notifications based on the customers' feedbacks from the market. And that is most valuable, which is the customers' opinions on their sales. Absolutely. So, yeah. I hope that everyone listening to this kind of understands and they can see how much work has gone into the Biconet brand and the Biconet bikes and and that you're not only working just to get the current production up to speed, but new models are being developed and those are going to be available in the future. And things are going to change because if you get a lot of customers who say, I want this or I want that, then we modify or you modify the bikes going forward to meet what people want. So the the MD-1000, the HD-1000, I know I've nicknamed it the Warthog, sorry. <laughs> I love that attack plan, you know, I love that attack plan. I, it's, it's very tough. It's very <laughs> tough and it's very reliable. Right, exactly. But there's going to be more bikes in the future. This is just the beginning of a whole new brand of, of bikes that are all-terrain, tough, and go anywhere. And I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, and I've already seen some little tidbits, but I can't share that. But to see, you know, new things. No, that you are cannot out. share that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cannot share that. Because in my mind, you know, in my ideal, you know, uh, it's like when you establish a plan, you know, it's like a responsibility. Your shoulders and on your team's shoulders because customers put their faith on you and put mm-hmm. their money in your pocket. And then what they want is not only I give you the money, you give me the bike, right. but they want the long term service. You know, as I always tell GoPro team members, the sales not ends when customers give you money, but the sales starts when the customers gives you the money. What that means is means it's the service. Actually, they're not only paying for the bike; they're paying for the service. Right. After they got their bikes, when they are using their bikes, they are riding their bikes. They need support from you because they are like the they don't know the bikes as well as us. So they may need support from us in the future. They rely on us. So the service starts, not the end, but the beginning of our service to the customers. Service not only means uh, the customers have a problem, we, we help them to, to, to fix that. But also, maybe um, customers said, oh, okay, that's too ideal, that's too idealized. But I said, we should bridge. I work as a bridge. The bridge is between the customers and the industry. We listen to the customers and we talk to them. Maybe we could become friends and not only support them when they use the bikes, but they can also share their ideas about the bike from their side. So we can know better of the market, what the market needs. So we can develop better bikes for the future customers or those customers who already bought our bikes. Well, thank you very much for sharing that idea, that philosophy. I think that means a lot. To me, it makes a ton of sense. And it means, you know, it's all about the the quality and the, the relationships between not just me and my customers who are buying the bikes from me, but it goes all the way from the customer buying the bike all the way back to Daniel at Go4E Mobility and all the way back to the factory. I don't think you see that with all companies or even most companies. I think a lot of them, it's like, oh, here's the bike. Hopefully it works. <laughs> and that's not the type of brand I want to build. And that's not the type of brand Daniel wants to build either. And so that's, I think, why we've got along so well. Uh, and I've had some people ask because 
the Biconet bikes are new, and this year has had some challenges, which we can go into in a minute. But I've had a few people asking, you know, because of delays, they're like, do you know this company that's selling the Biconet bikes? Do you trust that they'll get the bikes and they'll be good quality? And and I can say to them, absolutely, 100%. The bikes are going to be high quality. They're going to be worth the wait. And, you know, it's because I've I've met Daniel in person multiple times now. It's not too many times that the manufacturer or the company that I'm dealing with for electric bikes, you know, is somebody that's personally been in my own home, in my house, you know, and that's the kind of relationship Daniel and I have. <laughs> so I, I think it's good for people to know, that, yeah. Yeah, know that that's how closely we work together on these things. Now, I did say there's been some challenges. So when we first talked about it, we we're like, okay, the bikes are going to be built. We think we're going to get them in July. Daniel sent me the first two prototype bikes. I was like, all right, these are awesome. Just very minor tweaks to get into production. And then it got pushed back to August. And here we are, October. And I know, and I apologize to my customers that don't have their bikes yet, because I don't think anyone could have ever predicted that this would happen. There's just no way Nobody. anyone would have known. Yeah. So... I've told people in previous podcast episodes and videos, little tidbits of, you know, why things are slowing down or, and it's not always that things are slowing down. I mean, a lot of production things have sped up, but I think it's better that they hear it from you, Daniel, because you're there. Mm -hmm. You've, you've sent me messages, you know, you've told me I'm going to this factory, this factory. So (laughs) why don't you explain why is it so challenging to get bikes Basically, from start of production to the customer, why is it taking so much longer right now than it did, you know, a year ago? Okay, are we going to talk about this part? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to. Yeah, this part is driving me crazy, you know, it's driving me <laughs> I know crazy. it is. I talked to many um, the suppliers, the owner, many, um, the, the owner of uh, component suppliers in this industry, or many agents of components suppliers here. It's like, they, are, they don't know what happened. And then after that, they realize, yeah, it's coming. The, the, the demand is becoming huge because of the COVID-19. Yeah. It's around the, I think it's around March. Yeah, it's around March or June. It's, it's around that. And then the orders is like becoming crazy. <laughs> I can feel that from both the OEM industry and people should know that, right? The OEM factories, OEM side. And also the end customer side. And I'm not sure if, if customers will understand what I'm talking about. And when you're talking about components, you're talking about things people would recognize would be like, you're going to Bafang and saying, hey, I need motors. And what are they telling you? The demand from the market is like going rocky crazy. And then all the five companies, they turn to their suppliers to place more orders. Not only us, but suddenly overnight, all the five companies they are like placing their orders to the suppliers and then after that the lead time from the suppliers becoming longer and longer mm-hmm. from one month to two months three months to four months and then some com- components like the Shimano uh, like the tires Arcana uh, like a fan like a SRAM like some components factories they cannot tell you a certain lead time right crazy and then some components like SRAM they tell you if you place your uh, order purchase order now 
your lead time will be next April. So to put that into perspective for people, because I've heard this many times, but I want to repeat that. It's October 1st, 2020, and a component manufacturer that we use on some of our models is saying if we order parts today, we won't get them. And I'm not saying we won't get the bikes in the U.S., just the components we won't get until April of next year. So that means we have to order today components that are not going to arrive for maybe six months. And then you have to build the bike out of the components. And then you have to ship the bike from China. And then the bike has to get here to California where I get to ship it to you. And you can see how crazy that lead time is and trying to guess if all of those components are going to come together and when are they going to be ready. It's almost impossible to know what's going to happen for next year at this point. Yeah, that's correct. You can predict that. All the suppliers, they will meet the big guys, the giants from European and from the U.S. market, the big brands. They will first meet their requirements and then the second team, the companies like us and like the others. And also, not only the demand is rocket high, it's like going crazy, but also another reason is some suppliers, the demand is going crazy. But the suppliers, they analyze that and, and I think they know it is because of the COVID-19 customers or people want to go outside and buy bikes to exercise or you know just get rid of the public transportation. So the demand is going rocket. But they are not sure if this situation will last. Right. Will it stay? Yeah. Some of them are not willing to expand their production ability. Because if they invest on the production ability, that's a lot of invest. And then they can expand the production ability, but few of them are willing to do this. So the big demand, and they, they are not willing to expand the production ability, or it takes time to expand the production ability. And these reasons, you know, cost the, the longer lease time of the components. Yeah, and then it makes it even even longer. <laughs> yeah, even longer. And some bike companies, when they talk to the supplier, they are we cannot give um, give you a lead time now because we still cannot keep that because the situation on the other side is the, on the supply chain is really like crazy and the lead time is like nobody can guarantee I can give you right. a, a lead time right now. Yeah, right now, when people are asking me about, hey, when are you going to have more of this model or when is that model, the only time I'm, I'm giving people lead times is basically when we have all of the parts already available. In other words, they've been purchased and we, like, we know all the parts are going to wherever they're going to be assembled and they're all accounted for and... You know, we have an approximate ship date, and then I guess several months in advance beyond whatever I think that's going to be. And I hope that we're within three months of not being late. Certain models that I've been selling right now, some of them are on track, thankfully. A lot of them are behind. But the ones that are behind, I mean, I, I added uh -huh. a month, two months, maybe even three months on the shipping date just to try and put a buffer in there to hope that three months of extra time is enough <laughs> to get them. So I want people to know that's why like the Warthog, the MD-1000, we have people that email every day that say, hey, I, I want to buy one. When are you going to have more available? And right now, 
I just say, we're getting more made. You know, Daniel's over there hustling. He's working on it, trying to get all these parts together. But I don't know. Uh-huh. And I wish I did. <laughs> but but nobody knows. That's correct. Customers are asking us for a lead time. The, mm-hmm. the certain answer is only when we got all the components back in the warehouse. Yeah. And then we can tell the customers, okay, we're going to um, ship out this back on, on someday. No. If, if the components are not in your warehouse, we can make sure everything is, is a certain. And it only takes one critical piece to hold up an entire production run of bikes. If one of those component manufacturers doesn't have something, you can't ship a bike that's only 99% complete. It needs to have everything <laughs> or else we just have to wait. Yes, you're right, Cal. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. You know this. A bike consists of many, many components. Yeah, from all different places. Yeah. There's only one component missing. This bike cannot go. They can only sit there waiting for for the components to arrive. This is not only the only one thing makes lead time longer than before, but also to the U.S., the vessels, the shipping is another problem. Now, mm. we're not talking about the uh, doubled price of the shipping. Yeah, the, <laughs> the price has gone up dramatically already. Yeah, but we're talking about the process. We can pay more money to the vessel to get back to the U.S. because the customers are waiting. But even if we pay the money, they cannot make sure your container will arrive at the port on the other side on time. Mostly your container will be dropped at the port for several days in Shanghai port or Ningbo port or some ports in China. And then the vessel goes to the, let's take off, you know, Long Beach port or the San Francisco, the Concord port, I don't know, um, the port there. And then the vessel arrives, but it will take them more days than before to unload the containers. My last container arrives at the Long Beach port for four days. After four days, the officers allow them to unload the containers. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's why I have, and I've had this with anything from containers to smaller package type shipments coming over by air. It used to be like a year ago, if somebody gave me a tracking number for a package in China, I had some stuff get here. It's like sometimes I would like order it in the afternoon, Pacific West Coast time in the U.S., which is morning in China. So if the parts were in stock, somebody could get it shipped out effectively the same day. And then a day or two later, I could have it in my hands. And now I feel like what happens is I get a tracking number and nothing happens with that tracking number for two, maybe even three weeks. It doesn't do anything. It just doesn't move. It doesn't tell me when it's coming. It doesn't tell me when it's leaving by air. I got nothing. And sometimes I get a tracking number like the day before it shows up or sometimes it's like the same day. I'm like, oh, well, that was helpful. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> uh, and it can be very frustrating. And and it's taken some getting used to because we used to be able to predict lead times and say, oh, we're going to have a batch of brakes or motors or this part or this bike. And and we had some consistency, you know. Yeah, it takes a month to get something on a boat from China to the U.S. But that's okay. It takes a month. Yeah. And now, how long does it take? Well, throw a dart at a dartboard and, and see where it lands. And it's not that we're being relaxed about it or, or that we're not trying to speed it up. It's just everybody's going through the same thing right now. And it's, it's a challenging thing to deal with for sure. And, and we're just trying to make the best of it. The whole chain is facing this 
I think they all want in space days. I don't know about what happened to the other industries, but for, for electric bicycle industries, it's, it's kind of like that. It is actually. I know I have some family and people that do other outdoor sporting equipment, tractors, and they're having exactly the same problems where there's more demand. And a lot of it's because of COVID, which who would have thought because of COVID people would buy more more bicycles and more tractors and, and more outdoor sporting equipment. Like <laughs> nobody could have guessed that, I don't think. But they have the same problems where there's just not enough inventory and some of the factories are kind of hanging back, if you will, waiting to see, is this demand going to continue over the next few years or is this a spike and then it's going to go back down? And, you know, if it's a spike, then we're not going to ramp up production. We're just going to keep making the same number we've always made, but it's not enough right now. The COVID-19 is like driving the world crazy, you know. <laughs> this reminds me of, you know, I know many friends there from, they are the owner of bike companies. And in the past, they're sitting at a big behind their desks and make some calls or just tell their engineers to, or the purchase manager to talk to the, to the suppliers. But these days, you will see all the bosses of the <laughs> bike companies, they're like driving the cars along to visit the, the suppliers, you know, <laughs> to say, hey, come on, please yeah. help. <laughs> you know, it's like, and you're doing this, aren't you? You're going in person to these places, huh? Yeah, I need to visit them to make sure they can give us the, the components in time. But also sometimes we just talk, uh, you know, I have a friend who's, who's you know, the ready bikes, the, the boss, um, Tony, who has a good, good friend who just, you know, drive a car, go to the suppliers to keep the relationship and to see if they can, you know, make sure to support us better. Kind of like, uh, but also all the other factories, the owners, they are also doing this at the same time. We are trying our everything. We are trying what we can everything we can do to push the, the production here. We cannot control the, the shipping, but we can control the production. We drive to the factory, or to the firm factory, to the firm factory, or I drive, drive to, the, to the firm factory this time. We cannot control the shipping, but we can try our best to squeeze production or to make sure it's guaranteed the production. And if it wasn't for COVID-19 travel restrictions, I'd probably be in that car with Daniel in China driving around too. <laughs> yeah, please after this, you definitely. We will be doing that once once we can. I'm sure. Yeah, we definitely well have to. We definitely will we'll, we'll drive around, and you know we cannot control the, the shipping, but we can control the production. We actually we cannot, but we can try our best. <laughs> you can try your best to influence them to speed up. <laughs> yeah, you know sometimes we got uh, you know the customers are pushing us, and we're pushing the suppliers, but the suppliers say, hey. What are you going to do with me? I cannot. I can. I just cannot make that happen. And then I just sit there laughing out. They say, "Okay, come on. What happened?" I talk to Tony. What happened? You know, it's like you know. We know. We understand. We totally understand. Our customers. They are eager to get their bikes. They put their face on us, and they just you know, trust us and pre-order the bikes. And we don't want to let them down. I always wake up at three or four o'clock a.m. here. You know, in China just to make calls back to our customers or to connect the, the U.S. side. And in the daytime, I connect the factory side, the, the supplier side. We want to let our customers know that we are trying our best to get their bike delivered. We're not sitting on the... No, you're not sitting around. Yeah, we're not sitting around drink cola, no, or <laughs> we're trying our best to, to push production. And yeah, please, uh, you know, 
But our customers, they are very nice. They trust us. They put their faith in us. And we're trying our best. Yeah, that's it. We're trying our best. What I want to say to, to our customers, to, to close source customers or to our kind of customers is that do not worry about that. We've got your back. We will support our customers. No worries. We are here. and You don't have to worry about that. Maybe there are some problems between our customers and, and us, but we will try our best to solve the problems for our customers. All of you are very good and nice and very kind. We appreciate that. And thank you so much for your support. Also, for your support to us, for, to tell the bottom right and we will try our best to, to speed up the production to get everyone of you your, your bike. Well, thank you very much, Daniel, again, for being on the podcast. And I think just the whole picture of talking about that and letting people know how much effort is going into actually building bikes. Because I think a lot of times people get the impression that I can just go online to Alibaba and, and order these complete bikes from bike manufacturers and they just have them sitting around on the shelves. And it's so far from the truth as to what actually has to happen to get these bikes together uh, and made. And, and I think just, like I said, having the kind of a behind the curtain view as far as what's going on there and and the challenges that we're working through and we're working through them one day <laughs> i don't know what day this is going to be uh, but one day the factories will be up to speed production will be up to speed and we'll be able to have bikes in stock again yeah my opinion i think a lot of people are thinking 2020 is not a good year we get over this coronavirus season and everything will go back to normal immediately and it's going to take some time that's my opinion based on what i'm seeing and based on these lead times that are into next year already i think for bicycles anyway 2021 is going to be crazy once again thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the bolton e-bikes podcast i hope you enjoyed as much as i did having daniel here with us on the podcast and getting that inside look to what's going on. And basically, I want you guys to know that I'm doing everything I can to get quality bikes to you. We're not going to cut any corners getting these bikes to you. And you can see, I think, with all the challenges going on, how tempting that might be for people to somehow cut corners on this part or that part. And that's not something we're going to do. And especially now that I think you've heard Daniel talk about these brands and where they've come from, you should know that he's not going to do that either. We're going to make some really good bikes. We're going to keep making more and more as fast as we can. And as part of that kind of production ramping up process, even though the bikes haven't been coming in as quickly as we'd like right now, what we have been doing is ramping up our packaging and shipping process. And I've mentioned I'm probably going to show that on one of the YouTube videos soon. We are finalizing a couple more pieces of equipment. Everything is is running smoothly so far. And once we have that all dialed in, I will show that in a YouTube video. And the reason I did invest quite a bit of time and effort into that this year is so when these bikes do show up and when the production facilities do catch up is that we have the capacity to keep the quality going all the way through the, the receiving, the unpacking, and the shipping process to you. So once again, thank you for listening to an episode of the Bolton e-bikes podcast and learning more about the production of e-bikes and what it takes, especially right now.
If you're new to the podcast, make sure to go check out ebikepodcast.com. That's where you can sign up to our newsletter and get notifications when new episodes come out. Once again, that's ebikepodcast.com. And as always, you can go check out our website, boltonebikes.com, or the YouTube channel for more information as well. Thank you again for the millionth time. We will be back again for another episode next Tuesday. Tuesday.